I've been sharing with you uh, in the last 10 weeks. I think it's the longest series that I've ever done. And I was forced to it because there were 12 minor prophets. And guess what? They're not little people. Uh, They're called 12 minor prophets because their prophecies were short and brief. And there's 12 of them that prophesied throughout a period of about uh, 300 to 350 years, we found that out. We found that out that they also prophesied to different people in different times in different places. Even though the prophecies were almost the same thing. The prophecies to the people of God were basically, you need to realize that you are my people. That was one of them. You're my people. You belong to me. So why are you behaving so weird? You're my people. I've given everything to you. I gave you freedom. I delivered you from Egypt. I have given you an identity. I have given you a nation. I have given you a name. When you were not a people, now you were made a people. And you still don't want to hear my voice. You only get what's good and convenient. Is anybody there with me? Because I think that's the problem with human nature. We seek what is easy, convenient, and user-friendly is a new one. Yeah, user-friendly, and I like that one. But these 12 prophets also were given a message from God. And let's just think about the concept of a prophet. Prophet is not the one who tells you the future. In no way, shape, or form, prophecies in the Bible were just to tell about the future. They told about the future because they were telling what God had already spoken. You get it? God had already spoken that if you are rebellious, if you... you, if you Worship other gods besides me. If you are unjust to other people, which were the second, the two big sins of, the, of that generation, similar to ours today, uh, we have other gods like ourselves and our stuff. We, have, uh, we, we are injustice to people because we vote against poors and against people in need. So we help exploitation by buying chicken that's being used by other, you know, anyway. I know some stuff there. Uh, did you know that, that the government allows for people who don't get documents to work in those chicken factories? And they're never given documents, and they're held as slaves in that place because they can't leave. I work with them. I know about that. I just didn't know they were here, where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. No IDs. They can't even go out to buy anything. They're slaves. But the U.S. government supports that, along with the chicken industry. Some of them, not all of us, all of them. But then we don't want those people here, right? So confrontation is what God is doing. But God is also saying, repent. You can change your ways. You can change your behavior. You can change your heart. And if you do that, you will have wonderful blessings. You will have a wonderful blessings. You will have a great life with God. The covenant, the promises will be fulfilled. And guess what? They didn't pay attention to God for 350 years. No one paid attention to God. And yes, they were taken to exile. They were in exile for 50 to 70 years, depending who left first and who left last. And they suffered in exile. They were foreigners from their own land. They couldn't worship like they used to. But now in Haggai, the 70 years of exile had passed already. Now they're coming home, Dolly. They're coming home. They're coming home. Some of them have never been home. Some of them last time they saw home was probably 60 years ago. So if they came back, they must have left when they were 10 or 20 years old. See, See the age there? So they're back home, and they're trying to rebuild what was destroyed. They were given their land back. They were given permission to regain their their spiritual practices, their religiosity back, by building the temple, building the walls of the city. But let's see what happens. 
if you uh, have your scripture, please join me in, in the scripture reading, which is from Haggai chapter 1. And I read from verse 1 until verse 11. But this is what happens. Once they were given back what they had lost. Once where they were back in their own land and they, for years, oh, they rode by the rivers of Babylon. We sat and we wept. We wept for the city that we couldn't see any longer. They yearned to be back in Jerusalem. They, learned, they yearned to be, they were eager to be back home and begin their lives again according to the laws and according to the love and covenant of God. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month of the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shatiel. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, luxury houses, while this house remains in ruins? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse. The original word says a sack with a hole in it. Ay, ay, ay. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful attention to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned into be little and turned into nothing. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the mighty, because my house which remains in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own houses. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. Whoa. The word of the Lord. I don't know if I'll be that thankful, but <laughs> once I hear this, but that's the reality. God wishes to pour out God's blessing to each one of us. But because we don't get ready, but because we don't prepare, but because we're not aware, but because we don't open our arms and we're so focused in our own things, we don't see what God wants to do in our lives. We don't see the blessings that God wants to pour in our lives because we want it this way. Should I remind you about my story about not coming to Georgia two and a half years ago? I had my own plan. Oh, and it was a holy plan. I was still going to be a minister, not in Georgia. I'm in Georgia. And I'm happily in Georgia. 
You see, so what, what basically happens is that these individuals, they have heard the word of the Lord, they have gone to their homes, they have gone back to, to, to their land, and they decided to sit back and do nothing about it. They decided to basically do nothing. Oh, no, they did, I'm sorry. They did. They took care of their own thing. They, they, they do what I do. Do any of you do that? Early in the morning, what do you do? You take care of, care of who? Me, myself, and I. Obviously, because we don't want to offend anybody with that kind of breath. I carry my little thingies. And when I hear you going like that to me, I, I put one on. <laughs> it happens. I hate it. You see? But the idea is that God is calling his breath. Look in verse 2 and 3. This is amazing. The people of the Lord say to themselves, we are not ready to rebuild the temple. We are not ready. You know how many times I've heard that from people? I'm not ready to go to church. I'm not ready to hang out with God. Why? Oh, because I have secret sins. Secrets to who? Because the only people that really need to know your secrets is you and God, right? A secret to who? No secret. You see? So we're not ready. We're not ready because, oh, I, I don't have clothes to go to church. Or, 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 or I, I'm not in a good relationship right now with anyone. So, well, well, those are the reasons why you come to church. I, I can't go yet because I, I have to go bury my mother. Well, the, the, bury the dead one, bury the dead, and then you come to church. Okay? But we create excuse after excuse after excuse. This is what happened to the woman at the well. She began to throw a lot of rocks in Jesus' way so that Jesus would not come to her. Oh, I am a Samaritan. Oh, I am, you're a Jew. We're not supposed to talk to each other. Jesus says, oh, yeah, well, we're talking anyway. The rules are there to be broken according to Jesus. <laughs> Somebody crunched. But you see, it is that freedom with God that God wants to create between you and God. And God has nothing between you and him that would stop you. It is us. We are the ones who create those blockage. We are the one who says, I can't go to, to, close to God because fill in the blanks. How many blanks do you need? And guess what? Jesus said, that's all you got. That's all you got. I, 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 I met some people that, uh, some younger people, and, and listen to this one. They don't want to go to church because they're afraid that, that, that they may come to church high. Well, I told, well, you know, you won't be the only one high in church because I'm, so, I'm sure that my other senior citizens in church take their medications and they take their happy pills. And you know what? You won't be the only one high there. And guess what? You may have a great revelation. God may speak to you. You know why? Because your inhibitions are down. Your left brain is down. Your defenses are down. And God can, because you remember after you get high, I know that. <laughs> okay? So don't even use that one. Oh, I'll come drunk? Well, maybe you may have to sit back there so that we don't have to smell you. <laughs> or oh, we bring Febreze. But what excuse, what else can we come up with? And I'm making fun of it, but it's serious. Many of us put a lot of cheap, cheap excuses before God's amazing, formidable grace. So it is time to build the house. In verses 
I'm not ready excuses. You know what happens is apathy. Apathy is the biggest enemy of the Christian church. You know why? Because we put the church along with the world. And when the church fails, when the medical system fails, when the government fails, when Congress continues to fail, oh, they kind of fix some things now lately. Selection. Uh, when, 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 you know, when institutions fail, when the church has failed me, we lose our trust. We lose our connection with those places. And we grow apathetic. Apathetic comes from the Greek word apathos. No feeling, no emotion, no passion, total unexcitement. It doesn't move me. That's why when I say that, who are your gods? Your gods are those things that move your passion. They get you up in the morning. Is it your job? No, I know it's not. That you have to do, and, and that's why you have an alarm. If you had a job that you love, you wouldn't have an alarm. Yeah, I know that. You just get up and do it. You just know. And you're ready at any time to deal with it. Because you love what you're doing. Now, they were apathetic. They had lost that, that passion for life. And they just sat down and began to build their bathrooms, expand their little houses, add a little room. Chip was very busy during that, those days, adding rooms here and there. They probably called Michael, too, to add on some stuff. You know, and they were busy. But notice to what they say. The Lord says, give attention to your ways. Pay attention. Stop. Stop in your tracks. Stop. And think, what is it that you're doing with your life? That's what the original means. It says here, uh, uh, give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much. Oh, we work so hard. We, some of you who are retired, and have been retired for the last uh, 10, 15 years, you don't know that the 40-hour work week doesn't exist any longer. Because if you work for 40 hours in an organization, and you're supposed to be there between 9 and 5 o'clock, if you leave at 5 o'clock, they look at you, what's wrong with them? You have to be there at least 50 hours a week so that you don't get put in the list to get fired. That's what happens today. Yeah. You can't look at your clock and leave when it's time to leave. No, the job has to be finished. But they don't pay you extra. You can work so hard with your family, take your kids to every activity in the world, put them in the best schools, and still they'll come out crooked. They're supposed to. What happens is that we bust are behinds to try to provide for them, to try to give a good family. Some of you are done providing. Some of you are taking care of yourselves. And you spend a lot of time and energy and money in taking care of yourselves. And yet, you eat, but you never have enough. You plant, but you harvest little. You earn your wages. But there's a hole that we don't know where it disappears to. And he finishes, give careful thoughts to your ways. Give careful thoughts to your ways. And then suddenly in verse, in verse 9 he says, uh, go up to the mountain. 
go up to the mountain. In the Old Testament, every time you hear the phrase, go up to the mountain, is always to meet with God. Whenever you hear, we are going to the mountain of Zion, we are going to the mountain of the Lord, sing as we ascend to the mountain of the Lord, you always are going to go meet with God. So go up to the mountain. And get the real tools that will make your life more meaningful. That will make your life more memorable. Oh, that's Eminem. That will make your life more significant. That will make your life more influential to the children and families around you. With God's ways. Find those ways. No, we can't share them in the pulpit because it's only 20 minutes or less that I have. And sometimes I take longer. I don't even know how long. But, but you know, uh, th- those are classes that we can offer. You drink, and you're just not satisfied. You know, Jesus spoke very much about life and satisfaction. And Jesus said it this way. In Luke, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to build your life, if you try to hang on to it, if you try to fight for it, you're going to lose it. Because it's in your own efforts. You see, Haggai is telling us that the most important part for us is not the building of Lattaho. It's part of it. But it is our own spiritual lives because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the temple that we are to build. Our spiritual life. Because it is out of the spirit that the rest of life comes forth. It is not out of money. It is not out of the credit banks. It is not out of our effort. It is out of our spirit. It is out of God that everything comes forth from God. So as we develop and root our lives in God, God will change our ways to prosper us so that we will figure out what are the right priorities so that we can then give up our life. But then he says, but if you give up your life, the way he says, This is uh, Eugene Peterson's message. I will make sure you will gain a kingdom. Wow. Think of that. Think of the pressure that we have to build our lives, to raise good kids. And if we give it up, if if we give up the pressure... Not the responsibility. If we give out the pressure, he will give us a kingdom instead. You see, it's amazing because he also said, so don't be afraid, little flock. Oh, afraid because we're scared and when we're going to shrink. Don't be afraid, little ones. For it gives your father great pleasure. The other language says great joy, great happiness to give each of you the kingdom. The kingdom. Not only your life, but a kingdom. In closing, Paul puts it this way. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. And power that comes from God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your sovereignty and your majesty and your word. We thank you that we can trust, that we can rest, that we can ask, that we can receive. 
We thank you, O oh Lord, that your word is above all things. And, and, and please, Lord, remind us of it as we need to be reminded of it. Lord, we try so hard to build our lives to find out that when we build it, we're not really building it for you. We build it for ourselves. Teach us so that we can build lives for you, so that you will have pleasure on us. And yes, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a long process. It's a life journey. So there's no guilt. There's no shame. We're all together in this journey, O oh Lord. Walk with us, behind us, in front of us, above us, and below us. Cover us through Christ, we ask. Amen.